Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. And on today's show, we are joined by guest Julie Danielson to discuss the super fun topic of divorce, but specifically how to get over it and to move on with the rest of your life. Julie's mission, it's much like our own, is to help people live full lives that they want and they deserve. And she has some really good tricks that are going to, I think, help listeners be able to do just that. Um, I also want to add that the discussion and the suggestions that we're going to be covering really apply to anybody. So it's not like, oh, if you've only people who have been through a divorce. It's really anybody who's been dumped or rejected or just had trouble dating. I think that you're going to get a lot of stuff out of out of this, this episode. Um, Julie's tips are designed to help get you back on your feet so that you can go do what you want. And Julie and Ethical Seduction, I really like, I'm glad that you're on here because I really felt like reading like some, from your website and stuff, like your mission, like what you're trying to do. I was like, that's the same exact thing as what we're trying to do. So uh, yeah, so thank you, Julie, for being on here. Um, I'm your host, Stephen, and joining me today, we have Julie, Julie Danielson, and uh, Kimberly, my wife is out, Uh, Ava is on here, Hello. and Brandy. Hi. So before we start, anybody, Brandy, have you been to like other countries or anything like that? Nope, stayed in the States this week, just working full time. Oh darn. I was was good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ava, have you done anything? I went to the local used bookstore today and I randomly bought a cookbook oh. on popcorn recipes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know there was enough recipes to, for popcorn to make a cookbook. Right? But there wow. is. Julie, what you don't realize is that this is a sex relationship and cooking, cooking podcast yeah. because the cooking comes up like every yeah, time. Every so, time. Yeah. And it's my wife will be like, I tried to make a, what was it? a cheesecake and it didn't work and then next week she's like I she didn't she she didn't make the white peaks correct that's what happened the white peaks yeah with the yes Yes. with the cream of tartar anyway (laughs) love it julie do you have you done anything interesting do you have any projects or anything like that going on you want to share um not really we had an epic cul-de-sac party this weekend i don't know if it beats Popcorn and book. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> our neighbors, and we get together with them a lot. Hmm. That sounds fun. That's awesome. And you're out of Alaska, so you're hitting your spring. And so, what are your temperatures? Actually, today had to be like 80 degrees on my back deck. So I was out. Really? Okay. It was amazing. It was amazing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. Uh, I had a, another announcement real fast to make. So like two weeks ago on our ethical seduction episode 26, we had relationship coach Claire Blossom join us and we were discussing happiness and what it is, how it works and some tips for things you can do to kind of improve or enhance happiness with your, in your life. Um, Claire, you probably remember, will like specializes working with women, also like non-binary folk and men to secure to build secure, thriving, non-traditional relationships. And so one of the things that she wanted to reach out to our listeners is if anybody wants a free consultation, she said just to contact her through Facebook or her email and uh, you, you know make a request. And she's very happy to take some time free of charge to just kind of talk and, and see how she can help. So I'm going to put all her information in the show notes, um, but her it's Claire Blossom and her website is intuitiveloving.com. And you can reach her at Claire at intuitiveloving.com for her email as well. But I'll put all that 
her information on the show notes. So I thought that was nice of her to offer. All right, uh, Julie Danielson. Um, Julie is a divorce and relationship coach, and she is the host of the Get Over Divorce podcast. We love podcasts. Uh, she focuses mostly on helping women uh, let go of the past so they can move on and have an incredible future in the next chapter of their life. So again, that's the same kind of thing we try to do. Julie's divorced once. She's a mom of two teen boys, and she is now remarried to her dream man and celebrating ten her 10-year anniversary already. Oh, Julie, yay. Yeah, I like this. Julie is the product of her product. So she has been through the process mm -hmm. that she teaches and she's really re refined those skills of creating a life that you love after divorce. And she helps hundreds of women do the same thing with coaching mm -hmm. and her thriving through divorce program. And I think we're gonna talk a little bit about that program, the seven steps, which we'll come back to later. So, but Julie, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, happy to be here. Yeah. Um, to start off, do, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about your own experiences and how you got, got started with coaching others? Oh gosh. Um, yes, I was divorced many years ago and, you know, I chose it. I was the one that, that asked for the divorce and I feel like it was the hardest thing I ever went through in my entire life. We had two young children and making that really tough decision to go out on my own with these two young kids. And, and we always had 50-50 custody. But it was just really the hardest thing. And I think you look at this change in life and you see this like unknown future and there's so much fear that keeps you from moving forward. A lot of women that I talk to, they're like, wow, I really wanted this divorce for like so many years and just didn't have the courage to do it. So... I think that really is why I decided to get into this line of business because it was really coaching that helped me make the hard decision and choose myself for the first time, right? Julie, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you so are you primarily like most of your clients are these folks that are struggling in their relationship and contemplating divorce and want assistance with like how to like move forward with that? Or are these clients that have already like started going through the process of divorce? Yeah, I'm really specific that I, me personally, I only work with women that have already decided and preferably they're already separated because I feel like if you're still living under the same roof as your ex, your healing is going to be impeded, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julie, something you said, um, I heard a statistic and you might know more about this, that it was like 25% of men will be the ones that instigate the divorce and 75% are women. So have you heard anything about that statistic? Oh my God. I wrote an article almost with that exact topic and it kind of went viral and, and it went viral because there was so much hate in the thread of men talking about what I said in this article. And it was like, in 2018, you guys, in at divorce divorce or something, and it was why do women instigate divorce more than men? And what what I've found in my practice and conversations with so many women, a lot of women are the ones that file, even though he he was the one that did the actions that may have wanted them mm -hmm. to to get divorced, right? So like maybe he cheated and she found out, and so they're the ones filing, but they weren't necessarily wanting it until something mm -hmm. happened, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think men, this is just speculation. Um, I think men really like being married. Okay. And so even when it sucks and it, then the two people are not really compatible and it's not helping either one, I think that there's a more, whatever, feelings of like, well, this sucks, but I'm not going to go change it. And also I'm not going to go, I don't know, you know, dump the other person or whatever. And so I think we will stick in bad situations longer. My guess is women sometimes just, again, just total guess are like, this is not a good situation. This is not working. Therefore I'm instigating it, which really is a better attitude. I think like if it's not working for either person, I guess you can tell I'm pro-divorce. Are you saying saying men are just lazy? (laughs) Um, No, but it might be more scared, you know, of scared of change. Like nobody likes change, right? And And so one of the hard things is- It takes a lot of work for change also. Women are scared too though. And and like women, we're known for being able to handle a lot of pain, probably Mm -hmm. like physical Mm -hmm. pain, right? Like like having a very high tolerance. Mm Mm-hmm. For a woman to proactively ask for a divorce, she's been in that pain for a long mm-hmm. past time. Mm-hmm. That's what I've noticed. And and I hate making blanket statements across everybody, but like, I guess what I'm saying is like, for the most part, this is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a unique situation. That's also true. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree right. with that, Julie. Everything that's being said here, I'm like, oh, yeah, I... I I kind of see where you're coming from, Stephen, but also this is a hugely loaded subject and there's mm-hmm. going to be so much variance and everyone's everyone's situation is going to be different, right? So true. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think we ought to just clarify that. Like we we agree, like we know that like everybody's situation is different. So while we mm-hmm. might talk some, like to me that statistic yeah. was kind of interesting because it's like, why is it like that? You know, yeah. why is it kind of so lopsided? And I like the reasons. And so the reasons are not necessarily bad for it's not necessarily putting men down or women down you know it's like no there's stuff behind it that that's why the statistic is like that but it's kind of surprising i was i mean i didn't know it and then i heard it i thought really that's you know so well and there's a lot of women that have expressed in my facebook group that their husbands cheated and their husband still wants to stay married but they don't they're not necessarily willing to let go of their other partner either so mm-hmm. what does a woman do? <laughs> like tolerate, tolerate that? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In our group and a lot of our listeners. Group. Yeah. I was going to say, well, see, but I think that's where a lot of times when we talk about relationships, it's like, well, why? We're like, we're not for cheating, you know? So it's like, why are you cheating? What made you go do it and like hide it? Can you not have an open discussion and talk to your partner beforehand? And, you know, that's, I think that's where we would come from. Ava, what would you, what do you want to say? Cause this is right up your alley. What is. I, all I want to say is like my, my first thought after you said that Julie was this is, this is the reason why I, I can't watch soap opera dramas because if polyamory existed in soap opera dramas, there would be no soap opera dramas because there would be no conflict. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in, yes, like in, in my, in my world, in my existence of, of ethical non-monogamy, mm-hmm. like it, being cheated on behind someone's back like yes that's something that should be addressed but like having another partner that you're doing things with isn't isn't out of the norm in my life but i know that it is for so many other people and i think that's going to be one thing that i assume is probably going to come up quite a bit in this episode um julie because my impression is that you probably don't work with a lot of folks from um like ethical ethically non-monogamous areas probably mostly with folks that are in monogamous relationships Right. 
You're absolutely right. But I also feel like when the cheating has happened, there was something that caused it, right? Like, like cheating is simply somebody seeking um, pleasure, pleasure seeking outside of themselves. They're trying to fill a need, right? So I don't, I don't really think divorce has happened because of cheating. I think there's something else broken in the foundation of that relationship. And that's what you guys are talking about. Like build mm -hmm. the foundation of a relationship where you have that trust and can talk about these things. A lot of people don't have that. And that's really the breakdown of a marriage. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think, you know, that, yes, it's definitely hard. I, I think though that it is definitely worth it. And I think that's one of the things that we really like about, you know, um, having just say different partners and we're, we're not like pro that you have to be poly versus or monogamy. You know, we really, we all have friends that are all different types of things. Um, but I think that we really like relationships and they are kind of hard work, but it's like, it's worth it. It is worth like getting to basically, you know, a lot of stuff is about intimacy, right? So when you have a partner that you can be yourself around and that loves you for how you are, things like that's really special and worth it. And then they're not going to, my feeling is like, if you're able to do that, they're not going to go dump you. Like that's the safest thing you can do is be a great partner, you know, mm -hmm. and then you're going to have some of that security, you know, so it, it is hard work, but I definitely feel like it's, it's really worth it. And I think that's what we value. I think that's why we do this podcast. I think what's the hard work is being vulnerable and being willing to speak your truth. That's really what the hard work is. And I think a lot of people that got married at a young age didn't know how to have that in a relationship. And so when they, you know, come up against each other and they are growing apart, they don't know how to speak their truth and, and speak from the heart. And that's why I love the conversations you guys have, because it's very vulnerable. It's very authentic. It's very, you know, open. And that's what I try and teach a lot of the women I work with is, is how mm -hmm. to be that because they were in a marriage for 20 or 30 years and they didn't know how to do that. I have yeah. so much appreciation and also frustration for everything that you're saying right now, Julie, because it, it is frustrating to me that that you or or us here in Ethical Seduction need to teach that to the masses because the masses aren't taught that from from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how often do you see the next generation being being taught these things from day one to be able to to be vulnerable and to communicate and to and to you know, state what the problem is or state what your needs are and, and work through that. Like, no, nobody teaches us this. And so many of us did not grow up with that kind of model, right? So many of us grew up being taught to, you know, keep your head down, like don't make waves, like just be quiet and be obedient, like be, be a good kid or be a good student or be a good child, right? And yeah. so speaking up and making waves and standing up for yourself and, and speaking your truth, like, those things sound so simple and easy and they're not because we weren't really taught how to do them in the first place. They're we just have to figure it out. They're the yeah. hardest things to do. They are the hardest because yeah. shutting down and shutting up is easy. Yeah. And cheating, like, you know, going outside of, of the relationship behind somebody's back. That's to them. It's, it's easier than having the hard conversation, which is really mm -hmm. sad. Yeah. That's, that's hard to hear. I, I, I hear that. And I think of a relationship that I had once upon a time where 
I felt so frustrated because I I knew that my partner was cheating on me. Like I caught him doing it multiple Mm. times. And at the end of the day, I could relate to why, like it was scary to bring up the problems. It was scary to talk through the hard stuff. Was it, was it cowardly to just go and cheat? Like, yes, it was. But I also understand how they arrived at that point. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to relate to you. It's making, making it harder to, to put, you know, to put my foot down and to stand up for myself. Yeah. And I think secret keeping, which I'm going to put cheating in cheating is like basically in my mind, secret keeping and lies. And those are a pain in the ass. Like, I really think nobody likes doing that stuff because it weighs on us. You know, if we, if we have a secret, it does weigh on us. So I think like people don't want to do that, you know, but, but I think it's, there's the fear of like, well, if I have this conversation with my partner, how is that going to go? And I I mean, I can tell you I'm sitting here and divorced because that conversation didn't go too well for me. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it, um, we, we had the conversation, it did not go well, you know? And so. That, yeah. But I think the other thing, and Julia, I know you teach us, and this is important. We've had, this is like a recurring theme though. Okay. Is like, you need to have sort of the courage that whatever happens, you're going to be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. Like that is oh, a yeah. theme that comes up. So that I think it's like, yes, just have those conversations. Even if you know, they're going to be scary, like it's okay. And just trust that you're going to be able to figure things out afterwards or as it goes on. I think we just need permission to be human sometimes. And, you know, when you really think about what that means, we are meant to have emotions and feelings and express ourselves. And Mm -hmm. even you and I talked about this, um, like it's kind of a problem in today's society. Little boys are taught to man up and be tough. and, And the only thing that they're ever really rewarded for showing their emotions and feeling is anger, right? So we have a society, I think, of, you know, a lot of people that don't really know how to express themselves in an adult, mature way. Yeah. That's the honest truth right there. Yeah. Yeah. And managing managing emotions is one of the big things that I work with women on because a, a lot of women really struggle with their feelings. And like I had a client one time, she kept telling me that, well, I can't help how I feel. And I'm like, okay, well, just wait until you get through lesson one. because <laughs> I'm about to like explode your mind. Let's, let's talk about that. So you, you were saying like your lesson one, okay, which I know is like getting control of your emotions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about your seven step process that you've kind of put together and developed because again i think it's i I love that when you sent me the outline for it i thought like this is really thought out and really yeah really good so can you kind of walk people through like what that is and then yeah then i'd like to come back and like really focus on the emotions part yeah i take people through a process of like really growth and getting to know themselves and that's what my seven step process is The first step is where they're kind of in victim level, right? So when you think of energy levels, victim is the lowest energy level. And then step seven is more like spiritual and like connected to community and friends and other people and and having good relationships. So I would say between those two energy levels, victimhood being the lowest, that's where we start. And we start with helping them learn how to manage their emotions. And like I've talked about it in in public, like the the real tool that I teach is about 
um, the think, feel, and act cycle. Your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create your actions or behaviors. And we really talk about that at a, great, at a deep level. And I help women learn how to journal about it and really look with their like thinking brain at what's going on and then not just their feeling brain, right? Their primal brain. So let me ask you a question about that. The way I've always thought about it, and I don't know if this is right, is I've thought about it, I think a little bit reverse where it's like you have the feeling, right? And that mm -hmm. kind of comes up and then it's like your, I think it's your prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. starts to process and like slow, sometimes slow it down be like, okay, I'm having this feeling what am I going to do with it? So to me, it's like your feelings, your emotions often are like telling you stuff. Okay. And your job is to stop and like, listen and kind of process it. And then you're deciding what action to do. So is that fit in with what you're saying or is yours have totally, a different twist? But it's it? a little bit, uh, tell, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. So mm -hmm. let's just say, um, Eva walked in one day and you're like, Hey Eva, how's it going? And she was like, right? <laughs> just like blew you off. <laughs> That's happened. You didn't even talk to you. And, and you're sitting there going, Oh my God, why is she mad at me? What happened? What did I do wrong? And you like go into the spin of thoughts and you're picking mm -hmm. up this whole story of why Eve's mad at you. This is, is the thoughts that are creating your emotions, right? It's like, it's totally neutral that she didn't talk to you and that she walked past you because a number of things could be true, but you made up a story about it. And now your emotions are on board with that. And now you're like panicked, freaked out. What's going on? Why is Eva pissed at me? Not that that would happen. Why she pissed again. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm so pissed at you, Steven. Gosh. Exactly. So do you know that there's a thing called like the Socratic method or something like this. I've, well, I mean, there is the Socratic method, okay, but there's also the Socratic something where it's a, it's a whole bunch of like sentences, but it's basically about doing critical thinking so that mm -hmm. you're having this thought and fears, right? And you can have a fear. And I think then we decide like, we have to figure out how important is this fear? How accurate is it? You know, so yes. that, um, I love that Byron Katie has a perfect question for that. It's what else mm -hmm. could be true? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think some fears we have to be like, yeah, this is a legit fear. Like something bad could happen. And other ones are like, you know, we have them all the time and we're like, this is not real. Like chances yeah. of this happening are so slim. This is my brain, right. you know, flip, flipping out and on autopilot. So exactly, exactly. But I really do think it's the thinking that mm -hmm. creates the feeling. It's your thoughts about whatever the situation is that's happening. In this case, it was Eva walked past you, didn't talk to you and looked pissed, right? Why is it that I, it's always me that has the problem? Like David <laughs> just does something and I'm the one that's dealing with the issue. That happens like all the time on this. On it's show. not all about you, Steve. Gosh, I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in this example, then Julie, like what would you do to kind of help me like, do you have tips on like how, like what I can do yeah. to kind of slow that down or something? When you, you described it perfectly. When you feel that feeling inside your body, like kind of bubble up going, oh my gosh. And, and you're kind of like in high alert and, and your feelings are starting to produce something inside your body. Like maybe it's welling up in your throat or maybe in the pit of your stomach. That's when you need to like recognize what is happening. 
And Mm -hmm. this is the piece that takes practice. And it's not a perfect practice because you're never going to control your emotions all the time, but you can get better at it. You can start being more aware and being more aware is everything, right? Like just being aware, oh, I'm getting kind of freaked out right now. What's happening? And that's when you can use your prefrontal cortex to figure out, okay, how do I want to respond instead of reacting and going, God, that even such a <laughs> bee. I don't know if you guys can see bitch. She's a bitch. Oh, I'm such a bitch. God, that Ava's a bitch. <laughs> so I yeah. think what I'm what I'm hearing is uh, just taking that moment uh, after the like initial reaction to essentially just not jump to conclusions. Yeah. Right. Take a deep breath. Calm yourself and like you know, ask that question, what else could be going on here? Oh, maybe she just had a bad day. Maybe I need to give her some grace or, you know, give her a shoulder or be a friend. Like ask yourself what else could possibly be true because your brain loves to go negative. It loves to spiral and it loves to like freak you out because that's, that's why our brain is keeping us safe as humans. It's going to make you feel the fear, right? So I'm going to throw a little wrench into this idea um, a little bit. So I think, and this is probably not the best reflection on me, um, but I think I'm almost the opposite. Like as in, let's say Stephen walked past me and he was really pissed and like he didn't smile at me. I'm going to assess the situation and be like, okay, there's literally nothing (laughs) I have done from the last time we interacted to this time. So this is not about me. Um, And I might go and address it with him and say, hey, so I noticed this difference in your behavior between the last time we spoke and now, like, is there what's going on? Is everything okay? But I'm not going to internalize it. I don't know if that's a good thing or like a really bad thing. And maybe I do need more self-awareness to maybe internalize it more. Does that make sense? (laughs) I think think it is a very self-aware thing that you're doing that specific instance, right? Like, I mean, if that's your automatic Mm -hmm. reaction, then you're just natural, either naturally that way, or you've grown to be that way. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, I think you've grown. I'm like, there's nothing about this in in, like that changed. My variable didn't change in the situation. So it had to be something with him. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that's probably a good way to think about it you know, to not make assumptions. And I think what Julie Mm -hmm. is saying is like, it's also pretty normal Mm -hmm. for people, your brain to start making these assumptions. We just have to sometimes not listen to them. Okay. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, what if Brandy and Ava like both rejected me and I was tired of getting rejected and it happened over and over again? Like, what would you recommend like on that type of emotion? Like I'm, that's my sticking point, you know, like I'm tired of being rejected again. Yeah, ask yourself, are these people that you want to hang out with? If this they, is the they way are. to I like I like them, but they keep rejecting me. Yeah. Well should I find new friends? Yes. I mean, <laughs> honestly, if it's a pattern of behavior and it's not anything that you can control because mm-hmm. they're the ones doing it, right? You can't control other people's behavior. And honestly, I see this with a lot of people mm-hmm. trying to change their spouse, right? trying to fix them or they're trying to make them the person that they want them to be, but that was never the person they married, right? Like we can't do that. So you need to ask yourself, like, what can you do about this situation? And the answer Mm -hmm. is never change somebody else. 
you can change yourself. You can change your mm -hmm. friends. Like you could take, you would take yourself out of the situation, I mean, you maybe. Who your friends are. Yeah. Ah, exactly. Exactly. Julie, I have been learning a lot about uh, polyvagal theory recently. And so thinking through like, what are the body, like what is the, the your body's like nervous system? Like what happens when you are dealing with like a, a fight, flight, freeze, fawn type response and like what your body's physically doing. And so thinking through the reactions of getting like sweaty palms or a racing heartbeat or that like heaviness, like on your chest or like that pit in your stomach, that kind of thing, like you were describing earlier. Um, and like things that you can do to kind of like take yourself, like reset your body so that it's not in that, that emergency like response mode. Mm -hmm. But just something about like what you were saying earlier, kind of like clicked with that. I'm like, oh yeah. Like when I'm, wait, <laughs> if, if Steven were to walk by me and, and blow me off and I have that immediate, like, oh, I am like super anxious and uptight. Like, what did I do wrong? And that, like that initial reaction of like, oh like my, the, that pit in my stomach and my heart is racing, mm -hmm. like, um, finding ways to remember to take that step back and look at the situation and say like, okay, did, did I do something wrong or, or could it be something else? It can be really difficult sometimes to, yeah. to switch gears into that, like questioning, like curiosity mode of like, okay, what, what is actually going on here when you're mm -hmm. in that like immediate reaction of, oh dear, what did I do? Well, and honestly, it takes so much practice to learn how to flip that switch. Like you don't get to just flip the switch because now you know something you didn't know before. You have to put it into practice. And like for the women that I work with, we do a lot of journaling. And sometimes you're going to be very reactive and you're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, there I did it again. I reacted without thinking. And so I have them kind of go through the process of writing down what happened and where they could have changed direction, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what's really important is looking looking backwards at a situation and saying, oh, you know, I could have handled it this way and making amends with the person, which might be really out of their comfort zone to do that, but it's going to help you remember next time this same situation comes up that, oh, I remember that last time and I don't want to react that way again. So it really is a practice and a process and it's never perfection. Mm -hmm. We never reach that point. There's always going to be a moment where you're triggered and you're just like, oh, I did not handle that well. <laughs> I have teenage boys. Like I do it all the time. Yelling. Do your laundry. But like I also have moments of pause now and, and not always before I open the door where I'm like, okay, no matter what kind of a mess I see, I'm going to take a breath. I think slowing yourself down is a huge benefit. It, it applies to all different aspects of life, you know, but when you have to like make a decision, but also like this, this happened, I had this a lot like with my divorce where I realized like, okay, pause a second, think like what is the right way to respond or, or the right action to do next. And that, that little bit of slowing down, I think really um, the next thing you do, if, if you slow mm -hmm. down, that next thing you do is usually mm -hmm. a lot better than the first thing you were going to do. Mm -hmm. So Julie, let me ask you. Uh, so the first thing that you're like, your step one is like getting control of your emotions. Yep. Okay. And your step two is like on gaining independence. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of um, like subcategories in here, but like to gain independence is to no longer so much rely on the committee to make your decisions, right? A lot of women come out of a marriage and they're not used to making powerful decisions and they'll ask their friends, they'll ask their mother, they'll ask their sister and, and they'll have all these different people weighing in on what they should do, but nobody has as much information about any given situation mm -hmm. as you do yourself. You really are the best decision maker. So, you know, gaining independence is 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 starting there. Is learning how to make good decisions and really learning how to have good boundaries with people, not letting other people make decisions for you, that sort of thing. That is interesting. Like hearing you say that, and I will tell you, you know, maybe it's because of being a man and my upbringing and stuff like that. But yeah, I would be like, no, I'm going to make these decisions. I would not, I get the, like, I'm going to go talk to these people, you know, and get some information and then I'm going to make my decision of what to do. Mm -hmm. But I do know people uh, and I'm women, I guess in particular yeah. who are really good at gathering the information and not making the decision. Mm -hmm. And it can be, it can be crippling at times because they're mm -hmm. just kind of, um, what I heard this, okay. It's like the person goes in for hey, Ava. We've talked about this before, like, um, where you're trying to order and you're like, should I get this food or that food? And then once you like the fact you have choice, right? Once you make a decision, you don't have the choice. And that's why we often go, Oh, I should have got the other thing. Right. It's a little thing in our brains. And so it's hard to, you know, we, you can do that and you just have to like trust that yes, you're allowed to make the decision, but some people where they are, they don't like giving up the option. And that's the crippling part, you know, that the, and I guess it's a trick, it's a skill to go through and gain to just know that. And I assume the more you do this, the better you get at it. Would you say that's true? Yeah, but like, think about it this way. Like, is there ever one right decision? Julia, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Like, I feel like there's so much pressure on people to make the right decision. And so, you know, I would, I would venture to say that, you know, all of that that research that women are doing by gathering the opinions of everybody around them that they care about to try to make the right decision, like that there, there's an opportunity there to reframe it in that it's not about making the right decision. It's about making your decision. If you, if you make one decision or the other, like it, it's not, it's not going to be wrong. It's not going to be the end of the world either way. Right? Like it's, it's your life. It's going to take you down a certain path and it's not, there is no wrong path. That's what they fear, mm -hmm. that yeah. there is a wrong path. And honestly, I'll say the only wrong path that I've ever really seen is when they don't learn the lessons that they are really meant to learn from their past, and they keep making the mm -hmm. same bad decisions over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They repeat and, the past. And that's pretty They normal, repeat the past like because they thing. almost like already almost... know the outcome. And so um, in a way, like... Or is it more deeper than that? Or is it like more of a, like, I think no, it's I a comfort know. level. Yeah, right. okay. Comfort. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They know it. It's comfortable. It feels easy. So they, they end up, that's why women end up, you know, leaving an alcoholic mm -hmm. and okay. marrying another one or, you know, mm -hmm. an abusive relationship and going into another one or even having been raised by somebody that had some of those negative traits and then marrying the same it's thing. It's what they know. It's because they, they weren't 
it's what they know. They're comfortable with it to some extent, right? There's comfort in, in what's familiar. The devil, you know, versus the devil that you don't sometimes success or sometimes the life that you want Mm -hmm. is scarier because you've never had it before. Some don't even Mm -hmm. believe it's available to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if this is maybe the right time to ask this, but, um, but it feels like it, it could be okay. So one of the things I hear you saying is like, you have to get out of your comfort zone and try new and different things. Okay. Yeah. One thing I have learned is that Ava and Brandy hate dating. And I'm like, why do you hate dating? You guys like meeting people. You like the relationships and all this part, right? And so we're going to do an episode. This is a future episode. Cause I don't have the answer for this. Okay. But, um, Julie, Julie had this thing. I was listening to her podcast, right? And she's like, oh, well, you just, you know, it's the man funnel. So I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about the man funnel, but also like how Brandy's face, she's like, what the hell? The man funnel, but to how that relates to dating. Okay. Because I think your attitude and approach to dating is a really. Oh my God. I need oh my a gosh, minute we have here. Diagrams. Oh. Gosh. We have diagrams. It's gonna be like my is, is that the man funnel? That I want to hear about the sexiest man funnel of anything. I don't know if it's <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if it's like showing up in it's the right great. direction for you guys, but I'm just gonna walk I'm just gonna walk you through it. And I talk about this a lot with my ladies because I feel like people need a framework for dating so that they know they have a process, like going out into the dating world completely blind is not a good idea. So first, know what you want. All right? Be really clear on what you want in a person, okay? In whatever type of situation you're looking for, know what you want. So up here at the very top of the funnel, you should have like 10, I'm trying to be um, open in my language and terminology because you may not just be dating men, but you may have like 10 different situations where you're texting different people and having different conversations. Okay. So like 10 at, number at the top of the funnel. Wait a minute. Look at Brandy. Brandy I'm, is I'm, doing no, this right now. No, She's no, like, I'm yeah, like, I, have my 10 I hate the I can, text. Oh. I'm really trying not to oh. con- let my emotions control my next response. <laughs> See, I'm learning. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. 10 different conversation okay so i also have that dating should be fun yes i agree Fun. you have such an opportunity to meet so many fun amazing people and if there's some like massive discomfort in there i would say lean into that brandy get really clear on what it is that is causing that discomfort for you i like i I like like this this. brandy has the problem yeah i know you'd like this david go with it (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next, the next uh, line down in the funnel is we're actually having a phone conversation, and especially during COVID, I really recommended women to see people face to face. Get them on Zoom. Get them on Skype. Get them on um, whatever Facebook video. Have a face to face conversation with them and see if you have any chemistry or connection. Because it is a waste of time at this level to go on a whole bunch of dates. It's mm-hmm. a waste of time, energy, money for someone. And and you end up on the hook for a two-hour face-to-face mm-hmm. with somebody you may not like. So we want to avoid that. We want to maximize your time here. So like then I like I like a mini date. 
And, and I love like setting up three in one day. So let's say <laughs> on the prowl for her guy or gal or whatever. And she's going to set up some mini dates because she really wants to have a good, awesome date by the weekend. So like on a Wednesday night, she's going to have like coffee date at the top of the hour, another coffee date at the top of the hour. And then by the third hour, we're like going to go straight for a drink or something mm-hmm. else because mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. caffeine is not good for you. <laughs> and this is what the ladies love about this is you only yes, gotta wash your hair and get pretty once yes. oh okay <laughs> me too me too you, you only have so the maybe waste makeup this does not just happen day. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so you stack uh-huh. them on top of each other and you're like and you're doing it quick so you can say look i only have a half an hour but i'd love to meet you in person and don't be afraid to say whether you want to see them again or whether you don't. Because the longer you prolong a relationship when you know it's not a fit for you, it just gets mm-hmm. icky and uncomfortable. And yeah. heavy. So, yeah, just say like, you know, I really had a great time, but we're just not a fit and I'm looking for something specific. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, okay. So then I say, well, what, what was wrong with mm-hmm. me? What was my problem? It's not you. We're just not a fit. Like, well, then why aren't we a fit, person. Julie? It's like, your hair. Like it's always the hair. Always the hair. <laughs> well, I like, I like that approach yeah, because that is what they're at. It, well, you it's direct. Yeah. You have and to then, take it away from the person and be like, you know, I thought you were a really interesting guy, but I'm really looking for somebody that doesn't have children or, you know, like come up mm. with something that's really neutral, keep it really neutral mm-hmm. and not about the person. Cause there aren't, there are no flawed people. It's mm-hmm. just a bad fit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then the next row down is like, you actually have dinner with somebody, you make a connection and then like commitment, like then, then you have your person, but this is like the traditional, like women, you guys have probably a different funnel and it, no. and it's more colorful or interesting. So, well, uh, you know what? I, I think yes and no. I think like what you're saying, you know, you start off with texts and apps, then go to the phone, mm-hmm. the mini date, the dinner. We, we talk about the same thing. We're always mm-hmm. like do coffee because it's like low stress and yeah. well, that's what it must Yeah. Low commitment. The, per- the other person mm-hmm. is allowed to leave whenever they want, you know? So it's, so I think we would say uh, we would use the same funnel and it doesn't matter if you're man mm-hmm. or woman, it doesn't matter who you're looking for. I think the funnel yeah. portion works. Um, I will say <laughs> with my wife, the part that we did backwards was like, we were at a party and first, uh, so our names got drawn out of a hat, right? So I had to spank her. That's how we. Awesome. So the backwards part Great was, but, it's, but this, but I'm going to apply. I think you all have like a more of an hourglass. So first right, I spank her. Right? No, 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 no. First, first I spank her. Right then, then I get the text the next day or whatever, or the I guess through the email or something. It's like, hey, that you know that was fun last night. Thanks for spanking me. And then it's like we moved on to like the mini the mini date, right? Where it's like, hey, do you want to maybe do some other stuff too, like later on down the road? So we decided that we did, and um, we were not going to date 
that was one of the things we, you know, I was, I was too old for her and she liked somebody else. Right. So we were not going to date. So I was not going to make it to that dinner part, but mm -hmm. then over time it did change, you know, and eventually we did do dinner and, and stuff like that. And then it eventually worked into just like you're saying, the relationship, the commitment, the intimacy, all that. So the same thing, I guess the only thing that's different is that, um, instead of texting her, I spanked her at the very beginning. So maybe if you wanted, okay. but I would not recommend, don't walk around spanking people as oh your gosh. opening thing. That's bad advice. Arrested. Right. That's so right. I, I have some thoughts actually about how that funnel might look different for us. And really it's, it's at the commitment level, because I think it's easy for most people to make an assumption about what does that commitment level look like? Oh, it looks like a white picket fence, a wedding ring and 2.5 kids. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, that's not the case for everybody. Um, and, you know, especially in, in like the realm of like ethical non-monogamy, like that commitment level could mm -hmm. look like, like a full mm -hmm. nesting partner, like somebody to live with and maybe have kids with and grow your life with and plan your retirement together. Like, or it could look like, I, I really like you. I really like dating you. I would really like to see you like once or twice a month and just go on fun dates and just have fun times and have it be really low commitment. Like maybe mm -hmm. that's what the commitment mm -hmm. looks like in that scenario. Right. So there's oh, just fun. this like infinite like realm of possibilities of mm -hmm. like, what does that commitment level look like? Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it's just a conversation of like, where are we? Mm -hmm. where, are we on the same page? Right. Yeah. Having that hard conversation that really defines mm -hmm. like your relationship. Yeah. Like I want kids in my future. Do you want kids in your future? Oh no, you just want sex. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe that's mm -hmm. not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just want sex too. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. I can probably make room for that more than kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I like that you said that because maybe that means he's great for sex for now, mm -hmm. but you're going to keep looking and you're going to keep mm -hmm. working on this funnel for that, that one person to have kids yeah. with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you you can you can have my no strings attached dance card. I'll uh -huh. I'll save the kids dance card for somebody else. Um, I I do have a question about your funnel, Julie, and this is something that like I personally kind of struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, in your funnel, you go from like the dinner level to the commitment level, and for me, I always struggle with like when is this relationship serious enough that we should actually talk about like what our future looks like, right? So like, you know, am, do I call you my girlfriend or my boyfriend after the first date or after three dates or after three months? Like mm -hmm. where that transition happens has always felt really weird for me. What, what, kind, what kind of advice can you give me, Julie? <laughs> I think there's a lot of factors that go into that decision. So like one of them is going to be, does this person meet my cr criteria for the funnel that I have them in? Like what I'm seeing with you guys is maybe mm -hmm. there's multiple funnels for different mm -hmm activities or desires, right? Maybe this person mm -hmm. is better for a different funnel, right? For like a non-committed relationship type of thing. But I think having that hard conversation, when you feel like progressing the relationship, find out if you're on the same page. Because if you don't ask the hard questions, you're not going to know where you stand. And I think that's our personal responsibility to ask the hard questions and know where we stand with somebody and to make sure that we're on the same page. Because I've seen too many people blindly go into a relationship and not ask the hard questions. They're not getting their needs met and it ultimately isn't a good fit for them, but they're unwilling to say what's really on their mind and what they want. And we are all responsible for getting our needs, our own needs met, either mm -hmm. the 
person is going to help us along the way, get there, get what, what we need, what our mm-hmm. needs are, or they're not. And if they're not a fit, you need to know that you need to like mm-hmm. have the honest conversation coming back to that being transparent and being vulnerable and And then you also have to, you know, there's a segment of the population that gets a lot of comfort from being with someone or connected to someone. And it's, it's just physically um, uncomfortable being single. So they can, uh, they will rationalize avoiding those conversations and those serious topics because it's for them, it it, it feels better to be with someone, even if it's not going to be a a ideal fit than it is to really be single and have to start over. Not saying that's, yeah, I'm not saying that's the, the mm, right that's mindset. Hard. I'm just saying I can totally understand why people will avoid those topics. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just right. want to be with someone. And whoever that is, is better than being alone. Yeah. And that's a problem. That because is, it's a fear. It's a fear. It's having low self-esteem. It's having, you know, not not being comfortable mm-hmm. being alone. In, in situations. And that's definitely one of, one of my steps in gaining independence is, is really helping women learn to love alone time and not fear it. And ultimately, like most people do love some of their alone time, mm-hmm. but the, the overarching fear is mm-hmm. I'll be alone forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can just like really debunk that myth that that's even possible because if you want to be with somebody, mm-hmm. you can go out and find somebody mm-hmm. to do it. Right. If you really want an amazing person. You got to really mm-hmm. do that work on yourself to be able to be alone so that this person mm-hmm. can like be on their own two feet as well. And you guys come together like I've always, more powerfully. I've always had a rule that when um, I'm in a primary relationship and that prim- primary relationship ends, um, I take at least three months before I add any new partners, before I even look for another primary so that I can really um, take the time to, to kind of delve into why that ended, reassess the situation, see what I might want differently from my next future primary partner. And then I, it, it's a conscious effort for me also to not um, latch on to someone immediately just for the comfort level, you know? Yeah. Which works well. Yeah. I love that you do that. I think, I think the time aspect is sure. different yeah. and unique for everyone. Like, I really loathe it when I hear people say, oh, you mm-hmm. need to be alone for at least one year after a long marriage. You know, it's like, no, a lot of, you know, dating, dating can be messy, but you can process a lot and learn a lot about your yourself mm-hmm. in the dating, mm-hmm. being in the dating world. So right. there true. is no yeah. one right answer. Yeah. Let me go back to the, the seven steps that you had. Um, let me read through them. And then if we can, I'd like to kind of jump towards the the last two maybe and just talk briefly about them to come so so the first one is like getting control of your emotions the second step is gaining your independence um third step is processing the change Mm -hmm. okay so that's like making yourself a priority you know letting being okay with letting go of the control and things number four stepping into your own power which we talked a little bit about you know and um you know letting go of the past and and I think claiming that response, not responsibility, but cl- claiming like your power that. is mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, number five, step five was being the person that you want to be and to date. 
Mm-hmm. And that gets into, you know, authenticity, honesty, identifying your best self. And then let's, can we talk about this, Julie? So I'm going to ask, I'm going to combine these. So your step six is planning for the future. And then your step seven is connecting to higher mm-hmm. powers. So yeah. if somebody's going through this whole process, when they're getting closer to the, I'm going to say the end, can you just talk about that and like what they're kind of going through and what they're, I don't know, working on or what do you want to say? I mean, the, the way that I laid this out is like assuming everybody's just going in this trajectory that's straight up and to the right and really just kind of messy. You're really going through all of these and there's going to be highs and lows and you're going to repeat patterns of the past and you're going to make mistakes. But ideally, um, where I like to, you know, to end my work with women after they've, they've been with me for six months is they've really created a plan for their future and they feel excited about their next chapter and they, you know, feel excited about making new friends and new connections and, and dating. Like that's where I hope to see everybody, like where they feel good about what's to come instead of fearing it like they do in the beginning. And so that's really getting comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and, and knowing that, Hey, whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Julie, forgive me because I don't know exactly what I'm talking about here, but I, that the, these, um, themes that we've kind of just walked through, this gives me like a really, really strong, um, feeling like it relates very much to, Um, I think it's the process of like, is it dealing with grief or dealing with change where like first there's resistance and then I forget what the next step step is, but you're like, you slowly go through this arc of like adapting to like, okay, here's the reality. Here's what's happening or here's what's changing or what happened. And then eventually getting into this like curiosity phase where you kind of build that excitement Mm -hmm. that you're talking about of like, okay, this, this is going to work for me. And this is, you know, these are the benefits and this is what I can look forward to. But like, that whole process of where like people can be resistant to change or to, I don't remember if it was for change or, or for grief, but this reminds me a lot of that concept. I think you can draw parallels. I mean, nothing that I have created here is brand new in the world. I think we just, you know, kind of learn as we go and we repackage things and repurpose a lot of things. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the seven level levels of energy. If you look up the seven chakras, they're very similar. So mm. there's a lot of stuff out there and, and everybody, all the thought leaders are talking about a lot of the same things and these same ideas. And, you know, for me, mainly my, my big idea is that we have way more power over ourselves and our lives. And I think we tend mm-hmm. to give it away to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, something that you said earlier tied back to kind of like at the beginning when we were talking about like getting out of like that victim mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Where like if you, if if the expectation is like, oh, I, I need to be with somebody in order to be happy, right? Like I, I need to be with someone even if it's not a good fit. Like that kind of automatically puts you back into sort of a victim mentality where you're leaving your fate up to everyone around you when at the end of the day, you know yourself the best and you have the most power over your own life. You just have to have the courage to make make the decisions that's going to get you where you want to be. Yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to think thoughts that are like I need to be with someone to be happy and then, you know, you're going to only be happy mm-hmm. if you find someone to be with, right? 
it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's why, you know, our thoughts create our feelings. And if you have a lot of negative thoughts all the time and you're like one of those negative Nancy types, you're not going to be a very happy person. Yeah. If that's what you believe, then that's what's going to become true. Absolutely. Yeah. Julie, you want to try to give us like a summary, like what are the main takeaways and what you really want listeners who are you know, dealing with divorce or in the middle, not, I guess maybe, yeah, wherever they are, you know, and it's not, again, not just divorce, people who are, you know, have been dumped or just rejected and things, but do you want, you want to kind of give us a summary of like what the main takeaways you want I to leave people with? One thing I really want to leave people with is whether they were dumped or rejected, it really isn't. It's speaking to their, the quality of them as a person. I think a lot of people take it so personally. And the reality is you may just not have been a good fit. Like I look at my first marriage and, you know, we were young and dumb is how I like to describe it and didn't know better. And we were in love and we just couldn't make that be enough. We weren't a fit. We just did not like the same things. We didn't really have, you know, ultimately over a long period of time, didn't have the same goals. And, you know, sometimes that's all it is. So mm -hmm. don't make that mean anything about you um, being rejected. And that kind of goes back to our earlier conversation, Stephen, you're having, well, you know, why did this person not like me? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong everything went just mm -hmm. perfectly. You're just not a good fit. So be really, really clear on what it is you're looking for when you go out there in the world and you're, and you're trying to date other people or, you know, when you're healing after divorce, be really clear on what you want. I think a lot of people struggle with, well, I don't know what I want. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're not going to mm -hmm. get it. You got to mm -hmm. know what it is. Even if it's, mm -hmm. Make a decision what you want. Like say, well, I think it's a great great idea to mm -hmm. want to travel. Okay, do it. Try and it I've Try done the everything. dating thing where I didn't know what I wanted. And it was horrible. Um, so I learned the hard way that I mean, because it was almost like you would hear someone you'd be like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe I want to try that or maybe I want to be that. And it's like, no, you need to know for yourself what you want to be and how you want your life to look before you can open yourself up to another person and, and you join um, together. But yeah, so I'll, I'll just echo what you said. That's basically it. I've been there, tried it. Yeah, and know what you want for like qualities mm -hmm. and characteristics mm -hmm. in a person, right? Yeah. You know, we we recommended, and I don't remember which show it was, but a while back, I, I want to say it was on attraction, and we were talking about like who who you're figuring out who you're attracted to. Okay, but the suggestion that we came up with was to like write down like a description of like your dream partner. So this is not a realistic person, right? So you're going to have all the things about their looks. You're going to have the things about the personality, the things they're interested in. And what I think is really beneficial is like, Julie, you were like, sometimes people are like, I don't know what I want. Well, if you write this thing out, you know, you're not going to get the perfect person that meets all these things. But if mm -hmm. you write it out, at least you'll then I think have a better sense mm -hmm. of what do you, what do you care about? You know, mm -hmm. and maybe you can even prioritize them some and be like, ah, oh, the looks part is important, but not super important compared to the personality thing. I think that helps give you a little bit more structure too. Absolutely. I mean, I walk women through an exercise where they actually come up with qualities and characteristics and looks <laughs> are not allowed. Like you can, it, it should be chemistry, right? Because like, 
I've been at one time in my life attracted to somebody who I'd be like, oh my God, totally no way. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So I, I think it just really depends on the criteria of what you want in a partner. Like, what are you looking for? And write it all down. I mean, you have the ability to hold out for somebody that checks all those boxes. And as you date, let's say you don't really know what you want, but you have an idea, collect more criteria, keep an mm -hmm. ongoing list. I had three pages before I married my now husband and he was mm -hmm. like way beyond all of that. He, he met all of those boxes mm -hmm. and then some. So, mm -hmm. yeah. When do you present this list? Where, where's that in the man funnel here? That's what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. That's mm -hmm. it, that uh, mm -hmm. commitment into me part. <laughs> yeah, you come home from day three and you're, you're looking over that list and you're going, all right, mm -hmm. uh -huh. I, I have something good here. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you. That was a great discussion. I appreciate it. On next week, next week's podcast, uh, this is going to be an interesting one. It's a little bit different than what we typically do because most of the time when we do stuff, we're trying to talk about all people and different types and things. We're going to focus, though, as an example, uh, more on like submissive men seeking dominant women. Um, so just so you know, this is going to be an appealing show. Again, to everybody, you don't have to fit in that category because there's a lot of things I think you can learn just from listening to it. And one of my personal goals is I think that sometimes let's say you're the submissive man, you're not aware of what is going, what it's like to be the dominant woman and the, the sometimes problems and hardships of being in that position. So I really want like everybody to kind of be able to see the bigger picture and the bigger perspective, because I think it's going to really help and be eye opening. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and we have a couple, uh, that is going to, it's a, a submissive male, dominant woman couple that are going to join us and uh we'll be on there and so we'll go through and, and talk about that and i think that'll be a really good exciting interesting show um if you are a first-time listener and you enjoyed this episode please remember to su subscribe to us and if you're on apple we would love to get more reviews we do not have a ton of reviews we've never kind of and i think that's because i've not asked for reviews and i was like you have to ask have for to what ask you for want reviews Stephen. so and apple cares that's right. And I've, I didn't know and I was lost. And so therefore we didn't get it, but we do have, we have, a, we have several, but I wanted to ask like, that is something Apple cares about is the reviews. So if you like the ethical seduction, if you have a few minutes, we would love to get some more reviews on there. Mm -hmm. Right now we have five star, which is awesome. But like I said, we don't have a ton of people writing in on it. Um, and we have a new episode every single Friday coming out. And you can also find us at ethicalseduction.com. And we're on Instagram and FetLife. And Julie, you have no idea what FetLife is. Oh, I've actually heard of it. We're, we, we made it to so Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> FetLife is Facebook for kinky people. So I and have it's ha a is that's on that. So <laughs> that's all I know. Mm -hmm. All right, Julie. Well, if you ever hop on, mm -hmm. you let us know yeah. so that we can become FetLife friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going to be really impressed. I was on your <laughs> podcast. So I can't wait to tell her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. You can email, if anybody's got questions, you can email me at steven at ethicalseduction.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that on the website. There's a button, click it, record it. It's very easy. Julie Danielson, thank you so much. And your podcast is Getting Over Divorce. 
Get over divorce. Yep. Get over. Get, I'm sorry. Yeah. Get over divorce. Uh, do you want to tell us about like your, your social media and stuff where people can find you? Sure. You can find me at my website, thrivingthroughdivorce.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I have a group for women called Thriving Community, Women Helping Women. Is that it? Women something women over divorce. I don't know. Women helping women. <laughs> Thriving Community. You'll find it. You won't be able to miss it. And there's like 10,000 amazing women strong in there. It's a very, very amazing community. And I'm just going to say, I really like with your podcast, one of my, the favorite ones that I think that I have are where it's just you talking. They're like little 15 minute pieces, but the advice and the way you talk about it, I think are great. So anybody who's listening, yeah, check those out. There's a lot of, a lot of good advice. In yeah. there. Thank you. Julie, thank you. Ava and Randy, thank you. And everybody, we'll talk again next week. Bye. 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 Bye.